Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Hi, this is Tom Cock. Thank you for listening to Talking Real Money. Now, I've said this before publicly, but the favorite part of my job is not the time I get to spend arguing with Don on the radio show and the podcast. That's fun, but it's mostly entertainment. My favorite part of the job is getting to know you. The time that, well, we used to get together in a room and sit together and chat. Now it's on the phone or Zoom learning about your lives, trying to give you whatever input I can to make them better. Fantastic way to live my life. I think it's it's so rewarding in many, many ways. Some of you know that by talking with me, some of you don't. But here's the thing. I find your stories, your situation fascinating. And recently, a couple of them came up that I think are worthy of discussion because many of us, it seems, are reaching that sort of point of inflection recently right with voluntary layoffs involuntary layoffs our lives have changed a lot with covid especially economically and going forward they may look a lot different so a couple of them came up that i think are worthy of discussion one was a chat i had this week with a gentleman who was uh, voluntarily laid off from a large aerospace manufacturer and he had to decide whether to take a lump sum or an annuity from the company. In other words, to just take the money that his pension was worth or have them pay out every month. This is a person who's very risk averse. He does not trust stocks generally. He's kind of invested because he has other holdings. But after we walk through sort of the pros and cons of all this, I tried to make it clear that with his emotional makeup, And he did take our risk quiz and had a fairly low score. With his emotional makeup, I thought it made sense just to take the annuity, even though in 23, 24, 25 years, the payout would be about half of what it's worth today. Because for him to worry about the income, to worry about the money, I thought would be a burden. But after we got through sort of the numbers, we got to the gist of the matter. And the fact is, He said, he admitted he's very worried about the country, and that has shaded his ability to be an investor. He's worried about COVID. He's worried about all the conflict in the streets. He's worried about Congress, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of things to be concerned about. And he said, especially when you consider it, you know, when I was younger, it turns out that the two of us are very similar age. I had to agree that life looks different in your 60s than it does in your 20s. Generally, you're more optimistic the younger you are in some ways and you just have seen more by the time you get your 60s and sometimes things don't look as bright that's number one number two is oftentimes you get to your 60s or older and you say hey those youngers are not as good as we are they're not going to run things as well and well the baby boomers were certainly chastised that way by the greatest generation, which may have been correct, since I'm a member of the boomers, I can say that. But I generally don't say the next generation is not as good as the last one. I think that's something every generation said. But And these have been times to test men's or women's souls, you know. And so we tried to, I tried to get into, at the end of the day, what was really upsetting him about the future. Well, try to peel back the layers to find out what he believed, because in my mind, If you're not going to be an investor where you can invest in thousands of companies, what will you invest in? If you're not going to invest in the future, in hoping that the economy gets bigger, that our country grows stronger, et cetera, what are you going to invest in? If you're not going to believe and invest in capitalism, Inc., if you will, what will you invest in? That's the trade-off. And 
He agreed. He said, yeah, you're right. At the end of the day, you got to decide what you believe and put your money that way. It turns out for me, as someone who has been a capitalist for many, many years, I do tend to believe that that's the better system, the best system I know that's been productive for sort of humankind, if you will. So tricky situation there. By the way, the great quote that came up from our all staff meeting today, too, that I thought was uh, was good for him. And it goes like this. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. That from Corey Ten Boom. Very interesting quote. So that was one situation. Then another and this is another one. This is sort of a, a moment, a point of inflection. As I said, something's come along and you feel like you need to do something. And this is probably the number one question we get to the radio show, both on the air and the podcast. And that is, I now have this pot of money. What should I do? I just inherited some money. I just got ready to retire. I just discovered this money I'm going to be making from the sale of something. It always seems to be that's the point where people say, aha. I got to come up with a plan. In this case, about $100,000 have been saved. I recommended that a third of it remain in savings, a third of it invested in a short-term bond to try to make a little bit of something, and a third of it in the VT Wax, the Vanguard Total World Stock Index, because the first two parts are money they may need in the next three to five years really should not have much of that in stocks. But it always reminds me of the fact that if you came to me and said, hey, here's $100,000. Now, first of all, I'm going to thank you for that because $100,000 is a meaningful amount. I don't care who you are. I would have a plan for that money, whether or not you surprise me with it, because I have a plan for what I'm trying to do. In other words, I know I'm setting money aside either for my retirement, for my kids' college education, or for emergency. So I would be able to take that 100 and say, this goes here, this goes here, this goes here. And it seems to me many of you sort of meander a bit, don't really have that plan. And I was thinking about the places that that sort of point of inflection are huge, and you should use them as a moment to have the plan. Number one would be when you make your first dollar or your child makes their first dollar grandkid, they should immediately set up a Roth IRA and begin saving into that. I think that makes sense. When, again, a child or a grandchild starts their first full-time job, then immediately, I think, 15% of the gross earnings should go into a retirement account. It should be invested aggressively and it should be left alone. And this is a great, it's a great lesson for young people that I'm not going to spend every dime I'm going to get. And it's, it's also an opportunity because 40 years of savings could have a huge impact. The next one would be marriage because when you're getting married, first of all, before the marriage, you should be talking to your, your, your significant other saying, here are my finances. You show me, I'll show you mine. You show me yours, figuring all that out and making a plan moving forward. Number three, having children, because again, now we're adding the responsibility of perhaps a greater amount of insurance, we may want to save something for that child's education. We love the 529. You know that. The next point would be that 10 years from retirement. I think anybody 10 years ahead of retirement should have a plan that says, here's how much I want to spend. Here are the sources of income I'm going to have in retirement. Here's how I'm saving to meet those goals. And then once you're in that place, again, the annual review, I think, makes sense. You have a spreadsheet. It shows all your assets. It shows your uh, your debits, your 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 debts you owe people. It puts it all together. You look at that. I look at mine every six months. But you know, I'm in this business. You can look at yours every year. That also might help you from uh, making mistakes with your money. But again, having a plan, 
sticking to that plan and not worrying about whatever comes up or whatever's troubling you about our current situation so that you can get through all of that will not only make you a better investor, uh, I think it'll make you a better and happier person into the future as well. Thanks for joining me. Oh, by the way, we're happy to help you be a better investor too. Always here to look at your portfolio should you want it. Go to the contact us page on our website, talkingrealmoney.com. We will give you one hour with one of our advisors to review your situation. No cost, no obligation. We don't high pressure people. And, uh, because we want you to get this right. Just had a couple of those conversations this past week. Thank you very much for joining me here on Talking Real Money. I'm Tom Cock. Talking Real Money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?